this is Roger Green, host of the Surfing the Nest Tsunami podcast. This weekend, we are offering five conversations from episode 19, our review of last week's ICER public comment session on their assessment of the beta-colic acid and resmeteron. Plus, from the vault, conversation 36.5 from season three, last July's wrap-up of our conversation about Intercept Pharmaceutical and their release of updated regenerate data on beta-colic acid. This conversation starts with me introducing the session in the context of our episode 12, in which we discussed the draft ICER document in some detail. We go on to discuss how our guests in alphabetical order, Mike Patel, Wayne Eskridge, and Tony Villiotti, came to speak at the ICER public comments meeting. And from there, the group goes on to discuss its reaction to the draft ICER document. Wayne Eskridge expresses dissatisfaction about the document and particularly concerns about the prices ICER used for their economic analysis. Mike Patel describes what he calls a lack of empathy in the document and, as the conversation progresses, what he describes as an inability to see patients as different from one another. Tony Villiotti is slightly more neutral, commending the idea that ICER used patient inputs in the verbatims of the document, but disappointed by the economic analysis and some of the data they chose to use. In our first conversation on the ICER preliminary report, GLI Vice President of Liver Health Programs Jeff McIntyre said he appreciated patients having a voice, but noted that that's not the same thing as having a vote. Patient advocates' comments in this conversation make it clear exactly how wide the gap between the two is right now. Fortunately, as Veronica Miller noted during our first ICER report episode, ICER reporting has no impact on FDA decisions, but as we discussed during this conversation, it might have an impact on payers. Progress is a long journey, so let's all keep pushing. And while you do, listen, sit back, enjoy, learn, and when you're done, join the discussion in our LinkedIn discussion group. We have with us an esteemed and august collection of patient advocates. We have Louise, who advocates. Hey, Louise, how are you this week? Louise Campbell. I'm very well. Thank you very much. Nice to see the guys. We were commiserating over the last couple of days that we could have the two most disappointing football teams in the Premier League, respectively, but mine is worse than hers. And then we have, in alphabetical order, my last name, Mike Battell. Mike, how are you today? Mike Battell. Excellent. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for joining us. And Wayne Eskridge. Hi, Wayne. Wayne Eskridge. Hey, Roger. Good to be here. Greetings. Good to have you. And then finally, I guess at V, you're less than the alphabet a lot, but Tony Villiotti. Tony, how are you today? Tony Villiotti. I'm doing very well, Roger. Thank you. Okay, that's excellent. So today's episode episode is something of a follow-up on the episode that we did recently with Jeff McIntyre and Pam Donaher from Turns, where we talked about the draft of the ICER paper on resmeterone and beta-colic acid. In the aftermath, like this past Friday, they collected public comments, and we have with us three of the folks who delivered public comments as part of that. This episode, we'll talk a little bit about how that came to be, how you view the document, what you said, why you chose to say that, and then we'll go on from there in whatever directions we do. So I think I'd like to start I asked Tony this question, and how did you come to give commentary and be involved in the events of last Friday, each of you? I had interacted with ICER in the previous version when they studied OCA. So they reached out to me and asked me if I would be an interviewer for this one. And then when they announced that they were having patient advocates to speak, then I volunteered for that and became part of that panel. So I've sort of been engaged with the ICER thing for a while and had an opportunity to slip into that five-minute slot. So it was, you know, kind of a continuation, I suppose. I can go next. It, it's uh, Wayne's fault that I participated because he asked me in a conversation we were all having about ICER, and he said, well, you're giving a testimony, right? And I go, what? <laughs> so, 
why would they want me anywhere? Uh, so and then I looked into it and I asked, and I guess we had there was was there five of us I think that ended up testifying. So in my case, I was contacted by ICER late last year. They wanted to interview me about my experience as a patient, and uh, you know, you know, I did that, participated in a couple of discussions, and then subsequently they asked me to be one of the speakers at the public input hearing. So had each of the three of you done anything like that before with ICER or elsewhere, or is this a new experience? I have not. I have not. Yeah, I hadn't testified, but I had interviewed with them at their previous session. Okay, so I guess the place to start would be to ask what your feelings were about the draft document before we get into what did you say and why did you choose to handle it the way that you did. We did an episode on that here, but I'd be intrigued in your reactions. Well, that was a hard document, I thought. There's a lot of challenges to doing a price analysis when the prices aren't known. I was unhappy with some of the prices they used in their model. I didn't feel great about the document that I saw, so I was a a little bit critical of the process. Well, critical of the process and the document are two different things. We'll come back and talk about all that in a minute, but other reactions to the document first, Mike, Tony? I'm going to talk about it later. I know it's it's the other discussion point, but what stood out for me was the lack of empathy towards patients and the journey that they have to go through and the struggles that they have to go through and how difficult it is to manage your own treatment and, you know, how important having options like these treatments are. I think that that's what stuck with me. And as Donna talked about it a bit, that there was a lot of generalization as well, that all patients are the same and react the same and go through the same type of experience. So that's that's really not the case. Okay. And, and Tony, your thoughts? Yeah, I kind of mixed reactions to the document itself. On the positive side, I was pleased they didn't include uh, some patient input information into the verbiage of the document. I was very disappointed, though, in the in the economic analysis that they did. I thought they were really off base on the inputs they used. You know, the source of those inputs was a study that excluded the vast majority of the population, including the people that were most affected. And lack of empathy that Mike mentioned really rang through to me as well. That was less in the document and more in the actual you know, discussion of the document during a session. Thanks, Tony. That was going to be my question. The, the document itself didn't strike me as something that was supposed to be empathetic. If you heard the episode, then you know I had significant problems with the document. I thought it was using data that was too old, and in some cases, just flat out, they make statements that were wrong. Roger, so why did they include a whole section about what the patient's feedback was? Like that, to me, that seemed like their attempt to to be empathetic and to say, hey, we listened to the patients. This is what they said. I'd have to ask them that question. It was a bit of a surprise to me that they did that in the first place. I mean, I don't know, Louise, you could talk more about experience of dealing with NICE, which is a different thing, but in some ways similar. I guess, Mike, maybe the truth is that I had enough problems with their data points. I mean, if you heard the episode, it's like I read the first sentence where they said that a quarter of the population has an apple, which is a five-year-old number, and it's been rapidly progressing, and then talking about how the disease was asymptomatic, and I kind of felt like I was in one of those roller coaster rides where instead of creeping up to the top slowly, and then the ride starts, where you just, they buckle you in and you take off at 60 miles an hour, and I was like, whoa, I don't know what this ride is, but, but I don't know where the ground is. So I, I, I guess I might have gotten lost enough in the numbers that I didn't get to that. And now, back to Roger. We hope you've enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the content of this conversation or the entire episode, please put them in the review section of the page from which you downloaded this conversation or send an email to questions at surfingnash.com. Next week's topic is a bit up in the air, but all our options are superb. I'm sure you'll enjoy the episode. So until then, stay safe, surf on. We'll see you on the podcast. Bye-bye now. Surfing Nash.